Hello everyone and welcome back to The Bridgehead on AM 530 at 1.30pm. My name is Jonathan Van Maren and I'll be your host for the next half hour. Now, uh, last week we interviewed Dr. Robert Jensen of the University of Texas and, and we had a discussion with him about how the, you know, the porn culture, the increasing pornification of our culture is rewiring men's brains and is, is causing uh, really negative attitudes towards women and really misogynistic attitudes towards women. But this week we're going to be taking a look at an entirely different type of human rights issue and that's going to be discrimination against Christians. Now it might not be the type that you're thinking because discrimination against Christians or more specifically outright persecution of Christians is not a popular topic I shouldn't say but is is one that's being discussed quite a bit as Al-Qaeda is moving into Iraq and as increasingly we see uh, Christians being persecuted in different Muslim nations but the man that I'm going to be having this discussion with is, is one who is probably familiar to a lot of our listeners and that is uh, Ezra Levant who's a Sun News Network host, he's an author, he's a newspaper journalist or as he would describe himself more accurately an activist journalist and most of us you know in conservative circles are very aware of him because of the the things that he's done in the past. He took on the Human Rights Commission a number of years ago with Mark Stein and a few other people after the Human Rights Commission hauled him in to their offices when he was the editor-in-chief of the now-defunct Western Standard in Alberta to give an account of why he decided to republish the Danish cartoons of Mohammed, which had resulted in controversy in Muslim countries around the world. And at that point, Ezra Levant became a freedom fighter, especially in regards to free speech and a lot of different civil rights issues. And I remember as a university student heading down to buy his book Shakedown at a book signing put on by the Fraser Institute. I met him subsequently at an event for a Jewish outreach organization I worked for, and I actually remember one really humorous event where he was debating Ben West of the Wilderness Committee on Commercial Drive in Vancouver, and I went with a bunch of my buddies from university, and we were probably the only well, four or five of us were on Ezra Levant's side in, in the debate on ethical oil, whether or not you know oil should be produced here in Canada or whether that oil should be purchased from countries that are, are complicit in enormous human rights violations like Iran or Saudi Arabia. And I remember... You know, the crowd got so ugly because apparently hippies really have a, have a mean streak when you start disagreeing with them about peace and love. I remember that Israel Levant didn't even stick around to sign books because the crowd got so hostile. And at one point, an Aboriginal man named uh, Gets Crazy Boy took over the podium and, and berated uh, Israel Levant for supporting ecologi- an ecological holocaust. He would called it, and the whole event got very messy. It was, it was exactly the type of university event that I enjoyed, and then subsequently well, I was writing for uh, the newspaper The Peak at Simon Fraser University. I interviewed him for a very extensive piece called Beware the Soft Jihad, where we went over a number of different free speech issues, especially as they relate to really touchy things happening today. So recently on his show, uh, Ezra Levant exposed something that was happening in Nanaimo, British Columbia. It's, it's really interesting to watch, and I'm going to play for you just a few clips of what happened there. But essentially, you know, the city council of the city decided that because uh, an event was being sponsored by certain people that they didn't like, uh, specifically people who held Christian views, that they were going to have uh, this event, which had already been planned in advance, banned from city property. This is in Nanaimo, BC. So first I'm going to run a few clips from the city councillors, and then I'm gonna I'm going to uh, air for you my, my interview with Ezra Levant on this topic. Here, watch Fred Patchy in action. 
My motion reads that the City of Nanaimo advise the VICC, the Vancouver Island um, Conference Center, that as owners of the facility, any events that are associated with organizations of people that promote or have a history of divisiveness, homophobia, or other expressions of hate, and as such advise the VICC to not permit the upcoming LeaderCast event to occur in the city-owned facility that is scheduled for Saturday, May the 9th. And I so move. What, you mean the thing with those celebrities, that beautiful thing that, that's going to be banned? That was his motion, to ban anyone from using the Nanaimo public facilities that are associated with anyone who promotes or maybe once promoted or had a history of divisiveness or an expression of hate, and in specific to cancel this LeaderCast convention, the one with Condi Rice, that was set to start less than four days from then? Seriously, here, let Patchy try to explain a bit more. Look. Last week, the Nanaimo Daily News had two full-page ads in their publication uh, to promote this event uh, that was uh, sponsored jointly by the Nanaimo Daily News and the Coastal Community Credit Union. And again, uh, there were members in the LGBT community that caught on to that, and I had a phone call from one or two of them on Friday, and we followed up a little bit, and sure enough, you don't have to Google very fast and very far in order to make that connection with Chick-fil-A all over again. Furthermore, uh, in the ad in the Daily News is reference made to one of the speakers, a gentleman by the name of Dr. Henry Cloud, um, who, uh, among other things, he's a psychiatrist who is very strong um, on uh, the fact that he believes that um, matters gay can be fixed with reparative um, therapy. In other words, he can fix. Um, <clears throat> which I think to everybody on this council and in this room is about as offensive as it gets. So that alone, even that, apart from the connection with Chick-fil-A, was enough for me to make this motion. Once we made a little noise, uh, it became uh, pretty quick that the coastal community people withdrew their sponsorship. All right, he, he goes on, but you, you get the message. Patchy got two calls, or maybe it was one, he wasn't quite sure, from someone in the lesbian and gay community who was offended. Uh, not by the conference itself, but because a restaurant that was a sponsor had an owner who had a few years ago said he opposed gay marriage. That's what Chick-fil-A is, just like, I guess, Barack Obama opposed gay marriage until just last year, just like Hillary Clinton did until last year. Oh, and that one of the speakers, Dr. Cloud, had funny ideas about gays. Well, this just wouldn't do. I mean, the progressive counselors of Nanaimo couldn't let this stand in their city, right? Well, they have a reputation to uphold as the most progressive small town in the world. I mean, look at Patchy himself here. A weird picture of an old man posing for the cameras wearing women's shoes and some weird narcissistic selfie that apparently had some political meaning. I'm not exactly sure what, but I mean, there was no way a conference that had someone who knew someone who used to think some way that Patchy sort of knew about but not really, but he heard about in a phone call, maybe one or maybe it was two, said was wrong. So. This was an outrage. I mean, they, they had taken such care, this little Nanaimo counselor, to, to project to the world how wonderful they are. This was about them, really, not about anyone else. Here, listen to Patchy. 
And I don't know about you, but um, <clears throat> for a council such as this one, which has been progressive and open-minded on many occasions, we, we have unanimous decisions to fly the gay pride flag, for instance. We've done it year after year. Um, for us to now be faced with this again is regrettable, to say the, the least. And so um, I urge you to vote in favor of this motion. It once again sends a message that I wish did not have to be sent, but here we are. Um, I guess that's all I have to say. So you have a city council that had flown the rainbow flag in Nanaimo, city of 80,000. They've done the whole bit. He even posed in the girl's shoes. And now someone who knew someone who said something about someone was going to wreck the town's vibe, so they just have to be stopped? So what you just heard there was a number of Nanaimo City Councilors explaining why a, a really sort of a benign event couldn't take place on public property. So uh, now we have an interview with Sun News Network host Ezra Levant to explain uh, exactly what it was that you heard there. First, you could just tell us a little bit about this uh, situation in Nanaimo that you've been exposing on your TV show. Sure. I mean, back in May, there was a very gently Christian-themed uh, conference based in Atlanta, Georgia, but telecast around the world, like a pay-per-view sporting event. It was simulcast, and 800 different towns and cities around the world, people could gather in a, in a theater or in a convention center and watch on a big screen. It's called LeaderCast, and they had some real first-rate international speakers, like former First Lady Barbara, uh, Laura Bush, Desmond Tutu, the South African Nobel Prize winner. So it was a an A-list event. It was a little bit touchy-feely, a little bit, you know, leadership ethics or whatever, but, mm -hmm. you know, over 100,000 people want to participate in it. And some of them lived in the Vancouver Island city of Nanaimo. So they rented the local convention center. But just four days before this simulcast was set to launch, on May 5th, one of the city councils of Nanaimo brought a surprise motion to the city council saying that they should ban this simulcast, rip up the contract with the people who booked the facility because they had unsavory views, this counselor accused, on issues of homosexuality and other moral issues. And for the next 20 minutes, the counselors in Nanaimo took turns insulting, defaming, smearing not only the conference, but anyone associated with it, calling them hateful, bigots. One counselor actually compared them to organized criminals and to a terrorist group. I'm not making this up. Okay. This was just so off the hook, so extreme. And what was even worse is they didn't even bother to invite anyone from the conference or the convention to answer questions or make a rebuttal. They just had this wild mob with no one there to stop them and they voted eight to one to cancel this event the only place in the world that canceled it it was crazy to begin with you just don't rip up a contract for any reason but their proposed reason was so offensive in itself that they accused one counselor actually used the words that these people were quote strongly christian unquote so you shut down a convention because it's quote strongly Christian it's a public facility owned by the taxpayers you have a contract with a Christian group 
and you just, as a city politician, think you can rip that up and smear someone, and you think that's how Canada works, that is illegal discrimination. That's what my show is about. It's really sort of a, of a bizarre situation because, um, as I understand it, you got John Carpe, who's a well-known lawyer to all of us who follow freedom of speech legal cases. And what was that? What was John Carpe's analysis of the situation? Oh, he agrees it's completely illegal, discriminatory. I mean, just a textbook case of discrimination, violation of freedom of religion. And, of course, there's a few other elements, violation of freedom of assembly, freedom of association. And a newspaper called the Nanaimo Daily News was one of the co-sponsors of this event. So you could even say it's a violation of freedom of speech. Then a media outlet was told, you cannot do this. One of the counselors actually said if he had his way, he would shut off the mic when a particular speaker was speaking, like literally to black out a particular speaker. It was so shocking. And what's even more bizarre is that all this was done on videotape. All this was done on TV. I put it on my TV show because these counselors, I mean, an 80,000-person city is a pretty small city. Right. But they're so vain, and they love themselves so much. They're such narcissists that they videotape their discussion, and they put it on the Internet which is just incredible. I mean, it's like they, it's like a, uh, if you're catching a crime scene in the closed-circuit TV, these guys were so proud of their bigotry, they put it on TV. Yeah, I saw the, the footage on your show and then, and then subsequently later and, and the obliviousness of, of, of these counselors to what they were actually proposing uh, really struck me. And then you've started this new website that I'd like everybody to check out, uh, therealbigots.com. Is this you know, website that was started to address both this situation and I've noticed also to take a look at the case uh, of Tr uh, Trinity Western University. Are you seeing a, a trend of this type of thing uh, happening in Canada? Because you, you had great success with uh, yourself and Mark Stein and a number of others challenging the Human Rights Commission, uh, especially Section 13. Is this now uh, uh, the new battleground of civil liberties and free speech? Well, I would first of all disagree that we've had great success on the Human Rights Commissions. We've repealed one law, Section 13, uh, the censorship provision of the Canadian Human Rights Act. But there are Human Rights Commissions in every province and territory in Canada, and the three Western provinces have hate speech provisions in them to this day. They continue to prosecute people to this day. I would call that about the smallest success possible. Okay. So censors are still out there, and they succeed, first of all, by no one raising an alarm, by everyone just going along with it and saying, oh, okay, I guess that's how it goes. And that's what's crazy. This story that we broke on Sun News on Monday, I mean, it's, it's almost July, right? It's late June. Mm -hmm. This happened on May 5th. How did such a, an outrageous anti-Christian legislation go basically unreported. I mean, the, the local media had modest stories about it, but how could this go unnoticed, unremarked on in Canada for two months almost? That is as big a part of the story as what the council did itself. How could no one blow the whistle? I found out about this by someone just sending me an email saying, hey, you should take a look at this. And, you know, by chance I had, you know, a few moments, so I did take a look at it. I couldn't believe what I saw, but how could this go unreported? How could the CBC, CTV, Global Mail, National Post, uh, how could all the media miss it? I think it's because we have become conditioned to accept political correctness, anti-Christian bigotry, censorship, and overweening politicians. We've just become conditioned that that's the new normal. And what I want Canadians to do is to realize that's not normal 
and that we should not accept this low-grade continuous anti-Christian bigotry, this low-grade censorship. And these people are un-Canadian. And it's not enough, by the way, that the mayor read out some perfunctory statement, obviously drafted by lawyers, saying, well, actually, everyone can use our public facilities. No apology, no retraction, no rescission of the, of the unconstitutional motion. It's unacceptable that these bigots remain in office. It is absolutely unacceptable that this, that this motion is still on the books and these bigots are still in office. And on tomorrow's show, I will announce some steps, some further steps I'm taking to help extirpate these bigots. I mean, you would not allow an anti-black or anti-Jewish bigot on city council. We cannot allow anti-Christian bigots either. Right. So what's the reaction uh, been to the story then? Because you, you're describing a sort of a, a cultural Stockholm syndrome in Canada that, that sees our, a lot of our, of our freedom and our freedom of speech and, and, and right to express our own views, regardless of who finds them offensive or being, are t- being taken away sort of incrementally. And, you know, the frog is being slowly boiled. So what have the reaction then been to the, uh, what was it, a 45-minute episode that you aired on Monday? Well, it's been huge. I mean, the the video has been the, the number one video on our website, uh, The Sun, all week. It was picked up by TheBlaze.com. That's Glenn Beck News Organization mm-hmm. out of the that. States. It's been widely circulated on Facebook, more than 2,000 shares, wow. which is different than a like. A like is when people just say, click, I like it. Yeah. A share is when people repost it on their own Facebook news uh, feed. So yeah. it really hit a chord with people, and I think part of it is, they can't believe that such a brazen act of discrimination was done out in the open in public by people who actually got on their high horse and pretended what they were doing was noble. I mean, to listen to some of these bigots, the irony and the lack of self-awareness when they call other people hatred, hateful, when they yeah. call other people divisive. I mean, I've never seen such a gentle show as what this leader cast is. I mean, come on, Laura Bush. Desmond Tutu, and for these bigots in Nanaimo to call Laura Bush divisive and hateful, but they didn't call Laura Bush that by name. That's another point, is they were so stupid and ill-informed, the city council didn't even really know what they were banning other than there was some Christian connection to it. It was really disgraceful. Yeah, I saw the the piece that you aired, and it looked sort of like, you know, Dale Carnegie meets We Day. It looked really sort of of anodyne. Exactly. But with the city councillors who were quoted, they, they kind of reminded me, a lot of them, of you know the far-left university activists on campus who's pining for 1968 exactly. and need something to say when they're when – they're That's what I thought, too. I thought – you know, I remember way back in the day when I was a student, I was a student politician, too. And the smaller the stakes, the more bitter the politics is my experience. Right. And so on city council, you have the most outraged and idiotic politicians because they're fighting over such small stakes. In the city of Nanaimo, B.C., 80,000 people for nine councillors and a mayor, is there really that much work to do? No. So they just felt a need to justify how important and smart and brave and righteous and politically correct they were. They were all trying to outdo each other, mugging for the cameras. I think that TV camera in their city council chambers is probably the worst thing that ever happened because it just encourages these nobodies, really. So you're the alderman. Of Nanaimo, Mazel Tov. So that should be like one hour a month in city mm-hmm. council and a few hours responding to constituents' complaints. These showboats think they're like on some TV reality show or something. It, it was so obvious that they thought they were heroes in their own mind. And since there was no check or balance on them, I should say there was one counselor who was against this bigotry, but he was outvoted eight to one. Mm-hmm. So I'm not done fighting, and I would encourage your viewers to. 
who, if they're interested, to to go on therealbigots.com and keep in touch because I've got more news coming out this week. Okay, so the intention of the real bigots then, and you're citing two cases on there. This is your intention is to make this a, a, a traffic where stories uh, like this are specifically posted. Not particularly. I mean, this is a purpose-built thing. I mean, we started it to fight against the anti-Christian bigotry behind Trinity Western University, mm-hmm. and then this seemed to be a fit. So this is basically an issue-based website to fight these two particular battles. If we fight and win these, you know, we'll we'll take a holiday on it. But uh, I have the sinking feeling that we're not done fighting anti-Christian bigotry yet. In fact, I think we're just starting to discover it. So, you know, with the development of this of this anti-Christian bigotry, what's your advice to, you know, like a lot of the people listening in will just, you know, be like, okay, this is awful. I never knew this kind of thing was happening. So what do I do? Well, the first thing is to know when you see it. Mm-hmm. And because Christians have been conditioned and all of us have been conditioned to accept it, you know, people just shrug their shoulders. The first thing to do is to swap out the word Christian and substitute Jewish or black for it. How would you feel if you watched these people say the same thing about Jews or blacks? Well, I mean, these people would have been fired long ago if that would happen. So, mm-hmm. so that's the first thing is to make sure you're not missing things because you've been conditioned to accept it. The second is bring it to the attention of people who have the power to shine a public light of scrutiny on it. Right. And that's local journalists. That's me. That's other people in the media who should write a story on it. Mm-hmm. And I think when it's brought to the public attention, the proper scrutiny and criticism will come. And finally, I think people have to realize that they have the power to make a difference. Anyone these days can set up a website. Heck, use your own Facebook page. Anyone can record a message Mm -hmm. using your cell phone camera. Anyone can write a blog. Anyone can write a letter to the editor, can go to a radio station. You don't need to wait for someone to be your, you know, um, knight in shining armor Guess what? If you don't see a knight in shining armor, that means you're it. You are the knight in shining armor. Why don't you get out there and do something? And actually, it's pretty easy these days. You really don't have to leave the chair of your living room or den. You can do it all from your computer for free. Right. Andrew Breitbart's vision of legions of citizen journalists exposing these things uh, on behalf of the public. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Ezra, thanks so much for taking the time. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Keep up the fight. Thank you. You too. Now, a lot of Canadians might be surprised by a lot of the things that you just heard Ezra say, but as somebody who works in the pro-life movement, uh, I have ceased to be surprised by any of these types of things. In university, pro-life clubs were censored all the time. You know, there's a sort of segment to left-wing ideology that seems to think the only way they can appropriately get their arguments across is to completely censor those who disagree with them, and that the only way their worldview uh, can flourish is if those who disagree with their worldview don't have the ability to make arguments. And we see that time and time again that actually is the case, but it does fall, as Ezra pointed out, to people like us to ensure that, that such tactics don't go unnoticed, don't go uncommented on, don't go unchallenged. Because if we allow those who believe in censorship, if we believe those who think that restricting freedom of speech is the best way for, uh, for their point of view to take the day, uh, then we're eventually going to, be, uh, to find ourselves forced into a corner. And we've seen this time and time again, which is why, uh, you know, Freedom of speech cases are so important and why we've, we've fought many of our own freedom of speech cases, uh, winning the right to bring the pro-life message to campuses across this country and, and to bring our message to the streets so that we can engage the Canadian public because we recognize that as citizens of Canada, when politicians refuse to address an issue, the only thing that we can really do as citizens is 
to take our message to the Canadian public, to try to change hearts and minds, to try to change public opinion, to try affect change that way. And when our rights as as pro-lifers, when our rights as Christians, when different worldviews get forced out of the public square and we're not allowed to express them in certain areas, this is extremely problematic. And we're very thankful to people like Ezra for exposing these things and for forcing uh, a non-apology from the Nanaimo City Council. One of the recent developments in this case now since uh, uh, last week is that the Nanaimo City Council expressed that while they couldn't rescind the motion that was passed because the event had already been cancelled and the event had already taken place, they did regret, sort of, passing this really, really bigoted motion that essentially said that if you're a Christian, your your views are borderline criminal. And um, I have to say that I'm quite used to being told that uh, my advocacy is borderline criminal, which is why we have lawyers who take a look uh, at all the things that we do to ensure that when we go to court, by uh, taken there by people who accuse us of being borderline pr- criminal, we can prove that no, we're freeborn Canadians bringing our message straight to the Canadian public, which is what every good advocacy group does. So we hope you enjoyed uh, today's show. Uh, that was uh, Jonathan Van Maren, myself, uh, talking to Ezra Levant, who is a, an author, a columnist, and a TV host at Sun News Network. Uh, we hope that you'll uh, join us again next week. And if you'd like to check out all these past interviews, uh, check out the Bridgehead YouTube page, where all these interviews get posted there afterwards. So if uh, you enjoy this interview and you want to check it out again, or you want to refer a friend to it, please, please check us out there. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great weekend.